Hi, I'm James. I'm Steven. I'm Terrence, and we are The Higher, Higher Life. Life, a show where we talk about careers in tech, professional development, entrepreneurship, and life outside 9-5. Not sure what episode this is, but welcome back to The Higher Life Podcast. Today, it's me and James, and today we plan on talking about mistakes um, of entry-level candidates and applicants and how to ace, I guess, how to get past them or how to ace interviews at the entry level. Yeah, exactly. I think this is a really good topic of especially anyone who is just graduating or who just came to the country and is looking to just get their foot in the door when it comes to, you know, corporate world and, and you know, an office job. Um, the, the positions that we look for an entry level and, you know, what mistakes that we typically see from time to time and, you know, what what makes people stand out in these type of interviews? Because it is a bit different from, you know, your typical mid-career level positions and also your senior level positions. So we'll kind of go over some of those, you know, common mistakes that people get into. And then um, hopefully people can learn from, um, you know, our experience and be successful in the next interview. Let's start things off with the resume, James. Like starting off with the resume, obviously we all know that does have a big factor in whether you get an interview or not, if you don't know anyone, um, what are some, what's the biggest common mistake you see on a resume? Yeah. What I commonly see is that people tend to put too much on the resume, especially for entry level positions, because they, they can sometimes confuse the recruiter or the hiring manager looking at the resume. And so they could have so many different types of experience, but if they're not relevant and it's just taking up space because you're scared that, oh, my resume's so short, like I need to fill this up with, you know, this random experience here or there, and it has nothing to do with the job of applying for it. I find that's probably like one of the bigger mistakes I usually typically see. Yeah, I would say... Less, less is more these days and yeah. don't, I mean, I think there's a stigma about like page length in resumes and I would say it doesn't really matter I think relevancy. I think that's like the bigger thing to target is like quality over quantity at the end of the day. Yes. I mean, one thing that I see a lot in resumes is people writing points for the sake of writing a point. Mm-hmm. I did this. I did this. I did that. But they don't really say, I did this for XYZ reason that led to XYZ result. Right. That is a common thing. And you're just, I think at that point, you're just wasting space. And as a recruiter, from a recruiter's perspective, it shows the candidate that you, it shows to them that the candidate may not know what they actually did or why they even did things. Mm. They were just doing things for the sake of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just listing out a list of tasks, but, you know, what impact did that have? And, you know, what, what, what made it for, for you, like, like become a successful employee by doing that? So, no, I agree with you. What do you think about education when it comes to entry-level positions? I think this depends on the role. I know I like saying depends a lot on the role and stuff, but um, <laughs> it really does. Because some roles, for example, entry-level positions, it may not matter. So, for example, finance roles, or I think we went through this topic maybe in one of the previous podcasts. We were talking about, like, technical skills roles roles that need some sort of previous knowledge um or specialization those education does matter for example like an entry-level finance role typically speaking a lot of business students would apply for that 
or like someone that has a bit of like business experience or office administration experience would apply for those. But for example, in sales, education does not matter. That's okay. It's an example. Yeah. But is it, I would say actually to give it a percentage, I would say 50% of the time. Okay. 50% of the time it matters. Otherwise it, it really, it really does depend on the hiring manager and the, the company's reputation. As you see with Google, I think Google, they, they took it away, right? They, 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 took dropped, off, they dropped the educational, those educational requirements. requirements. I know Elon Musk also does the same thing where he drops the educational requirements and prefers people who are self-taught and has accomplishments. Um, you know, I have seen for some particular positions that they do require an undergraduate degree, but not even particularly related to the job in itself. So for example, I've seen some contact center and customer service roles where they require you to have an undergraduate degree and but it doesn't even matter what the, what the degree is is in. And so what do you think like why do you think that higher managers have that preference in the first place? I think it's a it's just I remember back then when we were hiring in the recruitment agency, it just shows that you were able to commit to something for X amount of years. It's it's that kind of a skill. Um, otherwise, in terms of learning, I remember, I mean, even from our own experience, what you learn is in university or post-secondary or high school, I'm not going to lie, half of it goes out the window the second you start yeah. a job. Cause no, every, it's true. Because everything is, for the most part, teachable, learnable. Um, but I think it's just, I think it's a stigma too, right? Like, it's a huge stigma, you know, and I I don't think I don't even know the like the any of the studies on it or any of the proven you know metrics that you know oh because you have an undergraduate degree it makes you more committed to your job or it makes you more you know um, better performance or whatever the case may be so I think it's slowly going away um, and that's definitely a more traditional way of how they did interviews back in the day. It was always, you need an undergraduate degree, no matter what, but it's growing like with the digital age and self-education like YouTube, for example, people are learning much more online through various different sources outside of your traditional school nowadays. No, 100%. I think that's, uh, I mean, we, we've seen resumes 20 years after an entry-level position, and it becomes almost redundant. To, to be frank, education, I would say in the beginning stages, it, it could help. It doesn't, it doesn't not help, yeah. right? That's one thing I would say. So overall, I, I'd say you, you can gain more than you can lose. Not having it, you don't you don't lose or gain too much, but it, only, it does help you if you have education. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing. I do have a question for you, Steve. So the thing about entry-level positions is that there's low barriers of entry. That's Correct. why it's called entry-level. And with that, there are a lot of applicants. There are a lot of people applying for these jobs. So how, how does one differentiate themselves amongst the thousands of applicants that would apply for the same job? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like it, um, there's, there's a lot of applicants. That is definitely a truth, not a myth. Like when people say that you're up against hundreds, if not thousands, sometimes there are a lot of applicants on all different walks of life. The ones that really like as a recruiter, when you're looking at the resume, the first thing I usually do is see if they actually cared in their application. And what I mean by that is actually Mm -hmm. if 
if for example a lot of people write oh objective is to get a marketing role and they apply for a sales role mm. or their objective is to apply for this business intern business analyst role but they're applying for a sales role i think that's one of the easiest ways of getting rejected is like just you know, just you can just tell their interest levels all over the place. They're just blind applying. The effort, the effort in, in each application. Yeah, I mean, one thing as a recruiter we notice. I'm speaking for myself, but like we notice people that catered their um, their um, their resume. But more importantly than that, their screening. Some some postings will have screening questions. Yes. Do not sleep on those sleep those screening questions. That's oh, a 100%. big mistake. I've seen people write just copy and paste from their resume and. That really shows lack of effort, and that's a big turnoff, to be honest. That that already gives me an idea that you're just gonna copy and paste something, and um, you know, not you're not unique in your own self. And to be frank, there are times where sometimes those questions are treated like a cover letter, where you read the answers and you're like, oh wow, this person actually is quite interesting, and they're the reason why they might be interested is more interesting than what the resume says. And I've I've given people a lot of chances, actually. Yeah. Especially at the entry level. Because at the entry level, you're screening for more aptitude, soft skills, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I give people chances because you never know. There's no right or wrong recipe in the beginning in entry level positions, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I agree. I see a lot of transferable skills from different industries. You know, one example uh, is that for, let's say, a contact center, where people are on the phones all the time, uh, they do see a lot of people coming from hospitality, you know, yeah. wait, waiters, waitresses, servers, people who are in that industry that work at restaurants could transfer those customer service skills in, in that type of phone environment as well. Um, so they, they do really come from all walks of life. And so there's a lot more leeway when it comes to recruiters evaluating these resumes. And so, um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I got to ask you on that topic, how important is experience then relevant experience or having certain experiences to get into like energy level role? Yeah. So here's what I'll say about that. I definitely would prefer someone that has various different types of experiences that are transferable versus someone that hasn't worked a day in life and has only gone to school. So I think the the actual life experience you get from a job that that does have things that are transferable is way better than someone that just got a college diploma or a university degree and they haven't done any part-time work or any co-ops or any internships or anything like that. You know, I prefer I prefer real work experience over education in my opinion. I I agree with you on that too. Yeah. Um, in terms of communication, it's when you receive communication from entry level candidates, are there anything? Is there anything that you've noticed that are no's or must do's in terms of email communication between at the recruiter level and the candidate? Yeah, I think I don't know where it comes from, but I do see a lot of candidates who apply for entry level positions that have a lot of informal communications whether it's slang or they're just speaking very informally uh and not properly addressing you know whoever they're addressing and you know signing off the email it's it it's really interesting i guess that they weren't nobody's been taught the basic i would say like etiquette 
when it comes to like candidates applying to jobs and it it really shows you know if someone's emailing me and saying yo james you know hey, hey brother hey hey bo just applied um you know did i get the job versus you know hey james really appreciate you taking the time and explaining the position to me and getting to know the organization i'm very excited i feel that my transferable skills in x y and z could really help make an impact in the organization you know there's a huge difference between those two um even at the entry level positions so i wouldn't i wouldn't like sleep on that either i would say yeah i think i think for keep it formal to be safe yeah. keep it formal you're not best friends with this person they're not your friend technically unless they are your friend but uh even then you never know where that email is going to go that email might get sent to the hiring manager and then yeah. they're like you know what i don't want this person to rep to represent the company in that manner if they get the job um because it makes sense right like it it's it's the company's brand on the line if you communicate that well that way to external stakeholders or even internal stakeholders it's the manager's reputation because they hired the individual so yeah i agree keep it formal i guess Here's a question for you, Steve. You know, you mentioned earlier that soft skills are going to be uh, like one of the most important things for entry-level positions. What would you say the number one soft skill would be for any entry-level position? Communications. Communication. I think communication. Both, but here's the piece. Uh, interesting. Both. I disagree. Do you disagree with I that? I do disagree. But okay. You, go okay. on. For entry-level communication, I think it's... I think it's two folds to it. Breaking it down, communication at the top. There's listening and mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. because I think communicate communications is pretty important to for you to explain to whoever's on the other line what you're capable of doing, how you would interact with other individuals, how you per- receive or process information verbally, because um, that goes with coachability. In my opinion, coachability See, is a this, very important skill to me. Like, that's mine. That's going to be mine. It's, yeah, it, it goes along with coachability, but like it, it goes on a high lo- higher level of uh, curiosity. I think that's going to be my biggest soft skill. So for curiosity, curiosity. No, so like it I goes, disagree. It goes I disagree with, with curiosity. It, it goes with coachability. It's like they, well, the people who ask questions, who really are willing to learn about new things and new topics, and who are just really like proactive about it. Yes and no. I'm going to disagree with you on that. And okay. here's a debate because on the topic of asking questions and curiosity, at the end of an interview, I always ask, do you have any questions? And I could tell when some people are asking questions for the sake of asking questions to, to showcase curiosity. Right. But it doesn't come off as genuine and authentic. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about fake curiosity. I'm talking about the people who are authentically and like super interested and passionate and asking the right questions and who has that kind of like hunger to learn. Yes. I, I agree with the hunger. Because hunger to learn is, is, is where curiosity comes from, right? Wanting to learn about the positions, wanting to learn everything, wanting to learn from the, the hiring manager. You know what? Here's the thing. It goes back to, the, oh, that's a good point that you said hunger to learn and stuff. Actions speak louder than words, in my opinion. Yeah. But when you can't show someone what you've done, you got to speak, you got to sell verbally, or you got to you got to choose your words carefully to explain that. And that's why I think at the entry level, to even get past the first round on the job, hundred percent agree. On the job, on the job, on the job, on the job. This is what I was this, referring to. This is at to. the interview stage. Okay. Though. This is at the interview stage. What's more important? It's I think it's communication over like experience over any of that, any of those skills. I think 
communication you have to be able to communicate and if you're not good at it you have to practice you have to practice and know know things inside out because if you can't communicate that you're curious how will someone know you're curious that's true that's my opinion so i actually um came across or had a discussion with somebody about um interviews in general so not not about like entry-level interviews or mid mid-level or seniors like this is they were referring to interviews in general and the topic was about like is that the actual the interview in itself is it the right way to assess someone's skills and somebody interestingly enough said it's not and they said that an interview all it is is assessing someone's ability to interview that's all that's all it does and to your point about communication skills it's like like you said it's all about being able to communicate yourself and your skills and your curiosity it's it's communicating what you could do but some people aren't able to communicate I agree. that way but that doesn't mean that they can't do the job oh 100 percent. so i think there are a lot of people a lot of applicants that can do objectively speaking yes or no can they do the job yes majority of people yes for for any this is any entry-level position yep. not yep. just specific ones where you need analytical or communication like customer service skills like it's, it's most of the time every everyone and anyone most likely can do a job yes so but it's interesting you know because you were referring to um i think sales before it's like one of the biggest things for sales especially the entry-level interviews is to be able to sell themselves and sell the interviews but again doesn't mean that they're good salespeople. i agree and, I agree. And I agree so it, 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 it's a very interesting, like more high level topic. It's like, is the interview the right way to go about assessing skills? Like, wouldn't you rather have them do like a sales pitch? Like, yeah, or I like mean, maybe like mock calls or a sales I mean, pitch or something like that? So at the evaluation stage at an entry level, you know what? I, I, I'm against those actually, depending on the role. Depending on the role, I'm actually against that gate for sales for example i'm pretty against i'm not fully on board for entry-level sales assessments such as doing a mock call or mock this or mock that because you know why they can they can research in advance if you're doing i am pro for talent act people or interviewers throwing curveballs because that's when you actually get a taste of how fast they can actually move and how fast they process Mm -hmm. because that's more real life Mm -hmm. then here is a scenario get back to me in two days on your response prep objections and prep this prep that but, but isn't that more realistic when it comes to the actual job itself don't they always get time to prep for the sales call they do but what you don't what you don't sometimes people that prep over i believe there's such things over prepping That's and when true. they over prep it becomes a little messy and on the job itself that means they're always relying on over prepping and that's also something that's a little challenging i rather look for that's why I look for just communication skills in general. If they're good enough, and keep in mind, my bar for communication skills isn't to the moon. Keep right. that in mind. It's right. not, they have to be Obama level communication. No, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for, can this person just communicate their thoughts? Mm. Like That's all I'm looking for is clarity in the way, if this person is thinking about something and they, I can tell that they have a response. Keep in mind, as an interviewer, I'm, I'm going to try to help too. I'm going to be like, okay, so you did this. Great. What about... Tell me the result. Like, what, right. what was the actual outcome? So he, here's an, exa- an ex- uh, like a really easy example of what I'm kind of talking about when it comes to assessing people's skills and like work assessments. When it comes to software developers, 
even at entry level, they do coding assessments and it tests the ability to code and whether the code is good or not, whether it's right or not, wouldn't that be a better indicator of the, the ability to do the job versus how they communicate in the interview? Yes, but I think the job, I think the assessment is how that world is viewed as to communicate. You know what I mean? Like, for example, that's like, it's like asking someone to explain math verbally. Mm-hmm. It's easier to show them math it's on a true. piece of paper. Well, that's what I mean. Show, showing is, is showing, but that's a part showing of showing versus see, telling. This, this is the part about like other jobs. It's hard to show someone's going to be successful in sales or marketing. Like it's hard to show that. So you got to go on the soft skills and. But even for marketing, they do case studies for interviews. Entry, even entry level, they do case studies. Like, hey, here's here's a product. Let's, uh, you know, give us a, a slogan idea or a marketing pitch. I mean, from my experience, I haven't I haven't seen correlation. That's the tough part. So I haven't seen enough correlation to to say, hundred percent, do a mock call. Yeah. And if they pass it, they're good. I haven't seen that correlation. I think it. The, it to my normal answer, it depends. Depends, it depends on a lot of roles. It really does depend. Well, I, I think it. I think there's going to be. I think there's more t- of it in the future. More assessments and more more results and more studies that are going to be done about like, oh, what is a better predictor of success whether it's going to be assessments communications the interview process you know this and that if if anything for assessments i'm not even looking for communication skills at that point i'm just looking for if this person is actually going to do it so you're talking about motivation then motivation and actual genuine interest and interest and commitment to actually the process i I think i agree with you that the interview process does give you those evaluations mm -hmm. but sometimes recruiters and hiring managers make the mistake of blowing the lines of their communication skills and their motivation doesn't always necessarily translate to their ability to actually do the job. Fair. Because fair. someone can Depends. be super motivated. Fair. And, and let's say they're super motivated to code and like really excited about it and really wants to do it, but... If, they don't want to put it in the work. Or, or no, they just like, they, they just don't know how to code or can't code. And like at that other day... <laughs> well, in those cases, you're measuring effort, right? Effort. I believe effort... If effort comes through somehow, some shape or form, that I think is a very good skill. I mean, passing it back to you, what do you think are some skills that you think can help or that you see candidates are lacking? From a soft skills perspective or hard skills? Skills in general. Skills Skills in general. general, Just skills in general. I think, I think, I think effort is a good one. I think, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to even hard skills and like everything else, it all requires practice and practice requires effort and maybe like diligence and consistency. And so you're going to, you're going to have those need those skills in order to get good at your job. And especially when it comes to entry level jobs, the more effort is required um, than, than if you've been doing it for years and years and years type of thing. So I would see, I would see people who, have an overabundance of like effort and you know uh, practice versus obviously someone that doesn't do any of that type of things. And so here, here's how I would view that in let's say a resume or even an interview is if they do a lot of extracurriculars 
and if they are part of a lot of different networks and communities, and if they do a lot of courses that are self-taught, that, that those are all indicators to me about the level of effort that putting towards gaining that skill set. Goes back to written communications. <laughs> no, because <laughs> if they forget to write that, that you'll but, never know. But, because that's but but I'm saying but at the end but of the day, that's a common that, mistake. That's showing that's, that's showing the that's, effort. That's a mistake by people. They don't they don't list things out like that sometimes. That's true. And, and that's true. I think that's a mistake. For sure. I think that actually that helps you because you never yeah. know. You can also get um you can be a, there could be there could be common interest too. Yeah. That the interview would be like oh. I did something like that. Oh, I yeah, know you exactly took that course, what that oh, you is. did this, and it's like, oh, like that's amazing. Like, they I really relate. learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's definitely agree. a mistake is like people not undervaluing their volunteer experience or extracurriculars or even sometimes some their side projects. If they yeah, have side some projects, side projects, that's always something a huge... that they did for fun. It's like, oh, yeah, I just I created this, you know, mobile app for fun on the side. And then it turns out like, that's something super relevant out of a project that the company's working on. At the entry level, it matters. It, it matters. definitely matters. It does matter. So going back, I was thinking about the communication thing, and I was like, you know what? That's probably that's probably not the number one. <laughs> you know what it is? Yeah. You know what it is? What is it? Attitude. Attitude. I think attitude. Okay. Okay. Attitude is everything. If think, I'm gonna bet on anything, I I realize I think I'm gonna bet on attitude. Attitude. I think from a yeah, definitely from a soft skills perspective. I think attitude from an entry level perspective. From an entry level attitude is is almost anything. And what so what sort of attitude are you looking for in entry level candidates? Uh, just someone that's smart, hungry, and humble. You know, to sum it up in three words. Smart, um, hungry, and humble. Smart enough to pick things up, or someone that's has the soft skills to be a problem solver that kind of you have to mm-hmm. have that problem solver mindset attitude mindset yeah um someone that's not going to be too arrogant actually i think that's one that's that that's even that's a big mistake sometimes i think yeah. in the entry level rules is someone gets too arrogant and mm. too confident in this thinking that they're too good for this role even though they want the role they think they come off as just right I know what I'm doing. You don't have, you should hire me because I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I guess to your point uh, about the attitude and mindset, I like, I think people who have a growth mindset are definitely the ones that are going to do way better than ones that have a fixed mindset where they're just always constantly wanting to learn and wanting to improve and wanting to do more type of thing. Because the amount of times I've heard you can't fix a bad attitude in the work environment, it is. That's true. It's. That's true. That's what I think about over communications and everything. It's it's really the attitude I think that I'm at, a, at an entry level that that plays. And a, that goes to the whole coachability thing that you were talking correct. about before as well, right? And I think a lot of times with with entry level positions for hiring managers, they want someone that they could teach and mold. Essentially, mm-hmm. they want someone that they can mold versus somebody that is set in their ways and stuck and you know think their way is the best way even though they're at an entry-level position you know you don't know anything you should just be a sponge essentially and just learn from from others with experience and gain that experience yourself until and then, like i said do, do do as much practice and effort until you get to a point where you can do it pretty competently yourself i know we're we're like getting close to time i'd say like that was a very very detailed discussion but yeah um is there anything else at the interview or post-interview stages that entry level candidates make mistakes on or any tips on how to how to ace that part post-interview or post-interview 
I think I think the post interview like for entry level positions, I think you know, I think goes a long way. I think we chatted about that, but yes, yeah. I agree that is a differentiator. Actually, surprisingly, yeah. I think if I was to give a percentage, less than five percent send me a thank you. Yeah. After my first meeting with them, I don't care too much for like for mid level or senior senior level positions to send thank you letters, but I think for entry levels, it shows that the like their level of interest and care of wanting the position. Which is goes back to the whole attitude thing, right? So if, hypothetically speaking, you had the chance to travel back in time to when you first started applying for roles or looking for to get started in your career, what's a tip that you wish someone told you as an entry-level applicant? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think there's there's a lot of things that would tell my younger <laughs> self. But what's a couple what's like what's the top two things maybe that you wish someone this could have been a deal could have been a game changer for you if if you had known something this could have been a huge game changer you know what i think that um i did a lot of extracurriculars or things on the side that i probably undervalued a lot and didn't showcase or didn't you know didn't think it was relevant at the time i think that's going to be one that would be one thing that i would tell my younger self and the other one would be to try like to apply more. I think I think I limited myself to the big companies the, or something. Or? Well like sometimes just like the first company that would that, that that like would interview me type of thing. So I was very naive and didn't really give myself enough credit that like, oh, you have a lot of skills and you you can do a lot of different positions so you don't have to nail yourself into a box. Like like I was saying before, like, you know, transferable skills in different industries like the hospitality to contact center. And like there's a lot of examples that that you can use where industry to industry transferable skills happen all the time. And it's not something that I realized at the time where I was just boxing myself into a particular box. It's like, oh, these are the only positions that I could apply for because of the school that I went to and and because of the the lack of experience that I had, I didn't have much choice. So I would tell my younger selves like, hey, you have this education, but you also have done all these other jobs in the past that could be really transferable to different industries that could open yourself up a little bit more. So I think that's something that I would tell my younger self. Uh, what about yourself? That's a good one. I never thought about it. But um, after hearing what you said, I would say similar to kind of your second thing, to be honest, it's believe in yourself and don't don't undervalue yourself. It's so easy yeah. to see where your peers are at, if they have more experience, if they're an iBanker, if they're an engineer and you may not have as much experience and you thinking that they have more so they're going to have a one leg up on you. I think that was a big mistake too on my end it's like i couldn't get into these companies because xyz individuals had higher they just had more experience and i think i'm always losing the race and sometimes it's not about experience as we said it's not always about you know what you see on the resume it's not about education yeah. always um it's just yeah having that confidence to apply and and confidently just even take that step to applying it's true you don't have to compare yourself you know? to, to others all the time because i think that is so easy to do so in university or when yep. you're fresh and 
trying like the amount of times i've heard in an interview is like oh i've been told this and that so i right. didn't apply or i'm not yep. interested even though it's an entry level role. all the time and i think that that it's, it's you against you you're the only reason why you know you you might not have gone the chances because you didn't even apply first and I wish, yeah, I wish I did that. I wish I yeah. didn't have that invisible glass ceiling over my head. That's true. And even even pushing the envelope when it comes to the job descriptions you see, some of them will, will be like, oh, you need two plus years experience in this particular skill set. And to be honest, sometimes you don't even need that. Even though it says it in the job description, doesn't necessarily mean that the recruiter or the hiring manager won't interview you. So don't limit yourself even to towards the job description. Hundred percent. I think we gotta create another episode on like how to apply for jobs and which ones to pick from. I think that yeah. might be an interesting topic. That could be. But yeah. um yeah, that brings up brings us up to the end of this podcast. Um if you like what you heard, please leave us uh, a like, subscribe, comment below, and send us an email if you guys have any interesting topics. And thanks for listening in on the Higher Life Podcast today. Thank you so much. Peace. Till next time.